Hi, everybody. Good evening. It's wonderful to be here. That was great uh, worship. That's great worship and praise. And isn't it wonderful what uh, God's doing in this barn on the Stuart Farm? And I honor them as a family, amazing family. And um, God has used them mightily already in our land, and using them over and over and over and over again. And what God's doing in here, it's just it's such a blessing to me. And uh, it's a privilege for me to be here tonight. If you have a Bible or a phone or whatever you do, uh, if you could turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to read um, from Hebrews 12. Now, I occasionally follow, uh, quite, quite a lot of the time I follow the church calendar. Um, so I, I usually know what day it is in the church calendar. I don't do it religiously as such, but um, I think it's a handy thing at times um, to keep it in the right perspective. So does anybody know what today is? I was informed when I came here tonight in the prayer meeting um, what today is in the church calendar. Who knows? What? Christmas Day? No. What? What? Day after yesterday. <laughs> Does anybody know? You're all heathens. No? Who said that? Epiphany. Somebody said epiphany over here. Who said epiphany here? You get a bookmark afterwards. You're very good. Um, epiphany. <laughs> now, what does epiphany mean? Well, epiphany is commemorating when Jesus was found by the Magi or the kings of the East. And they brought their gold, frankincense, and myrrh, of course. And the whole idea is that Jesus was revealed to the Gentiles for who he really was. And so that term epiphany has been taken out of that sort of parlance and used in a general term in that whenever you have a revelation, specifically of Jesus Christ, but also you have a revelation of some kind of truth, you know, like Eureka, you, you have a great discovery, that's called an epiphany. Now I want to share some epiphanies with you tonight. I didn't know that was today, but I want to share some epiphanies with you tonight. But first of all, I want to read from uh, Hebrews 12, verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. And I want you to pray with me now that God would speak to your heart. I don't care whether you're Christian, atheist, agnostic, other, or whatever. You pray right now that God will speak to you, and I believe God will speak to you. What do you do about that between you and him? But I believe that if you pray this prayer, God will reveal himself, and you will have some type of epiphany here tonight. Okay? So please pray with me. And it can be as simple as, Lord, please speak to me. Please reveal yourself to me. So, Father, we come to you in the mighty, all-victorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We glorify you as God above all. And we come to you in the name that is above every name. Above all principality, power, might and dominion. Every other name that has been named not only in this world. But also in that which is to come. And who has been given as a head to the church, the body. And we invoke that name and say Jesus Christ is Lord here tonight. He is Lord of all. And he's Lord of many of our lives. But we want to exalt you that you might come and step into your rightful place this evening in this barn and in each of our lives. And we just take our standing now in Christ and we thank you, Jesus, that you said as you stood at the grave of Lazarus, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. And so I stand in you, Lord Jesus, tonight. In all that you are and all that you have and all that you've done and all that you've promised. And I say tonight, Father, I thank you that you do always hear me in Christ. And so that's what it means tonight, Father, for us to pray in Jesus' name. To step into him and to ask you in faith, according to his will, for the glory of his name. So do it tonight, Lord. And I pray that you'll shake this barn this evening. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You say amen? Amen. Yes. I didn't really know what I was going to preach on at all, all, all day, and I have to watch my time here. But um, from this morning on, the Lord was starting to reveal to me certain things that I was to share. But actually, last night, I received a message, a WhatsApp message from a friend of mine in America, actually, and she was asking a question about, do you sense anything significant God doing in the heavenlies right now? That's one question, isn't it? But I'm thinking, Phew. you know, it's about half ten at night and I'm just thinking of Ed and Coco and slippers and all that. But it triggered in me, and actually yesterday I'd spent quite some time in prayer looking over my journal for the last year. And so what was fresh in my mind was the many times that God had spoken about what he was doing in my life and in ministry in general. So it was all like, you know, there in my consciousness. So that triggered me to start looking up and I record um, when God speaks to me in a journal. I also have a file for visions and prophecy, prophetic words that people give me, ones I get myself. I have a folder of dreams that God has given me over the year. So and years. As I was contemplating this, I started to consider how, yes, the Lord had been saying a lot, not just to me, but to other people, about a shaking in the heavens. Now listen, our earth has been shaken over the last three to four years in a remarkable way that very seldom happens, maybe once in a generation, and it's certainly nothing like it has happened um, in a hundred years or more that we've seen with COVID. And in many respects, we've never seen anything like it before. Okay, and there is a shaking of the earth that is taking place, but I want you to understand tonight that there's actually a shaking of the heavenly realm that is taking place. Now, those are two different realms, okay? There's a shaking of the earth, but God says in this passage, but there's coming a day when I will also shake the heavens, and this is why I'm shaking the heavens and shaking the earth. Listen, so that the things that can be shaken, Material things, man-made things can dissolve away. But that the things that cannot be shaken, which he says in this passage, are eternal, can remain. And then he goes on to talk to believers and he says, we are those who are receiving a heavenly kingdom. 
So while the earthly kingdoms of this world are shaken and dissolve all around us, you know, the institutions of society that have been with us forever, it would seem, they haven't obviously, but it seems like they've been there forever. They are crumbling around our ears. Marriage, sexuality, the royal family. We could go around a whole government, NHS, many things that that we've known all our lives and our fathers and our grandparents have. All of a sudden, there's an earthly shaking. And I want to tell you tonight, there's more than that. There's a shaking in the heavenly realm. There's a shaking in the power of the heavenly realms and powers. Ephesians 6 uh, tells us that we wrestle not with flesh and blood. Verse 12. But principalities and powers and dominions and rulers and heavenly places. Understand, there's a spiritual realm. And it's all mixed up in the physical. They're not divided. Everything's mixed up and and, and it's all united and, and... It's all one, if you like. I want to share with you, and I haven't done this before, okay, as public as this. And I feel that the Lord has given me permission today to do this. And I haven't done it ever, really, but I'm going to do it tonight. To reveal to you what God has said, certainly in my life, about the shaking that has taken place in the heavenlies. Now, Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2 says, in the last days, young, young men will dream dreams, old men will see visions. Isn't that right? So I am the category of the young man because I have dreams. I usually dream things. see the odd thing now and again, but I usually dream dreams. But let me tell you about something that was a word of prophecy that I gave and didn't realize I was giving it almost until I was giving it. And it was 2016. And Mark Hewitt's here tonight, and he actually listened to this recording after the event during COVID and reminded me that I'd given this word of prophecy because I forgot all about it. And I was preaching on Jonah in Brookra Elam Church in Fermanagh. I was preaching on Jonah, a sermon called For the Sake of the Children. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 15, it says that the Lord prepared a great fish for Jonah. Right? And you know what happened? The prophet of God was going the opposite direction than he should have done. God had called him to go to Nineveh. He was going the opposite way. And I said at the time, just like the church is going the opposite direction that God wants them to go in. But God prepared a great fish for Jonah. And this is what I said in that moment. I think I'm prophesying now. God is preparing a great fish for the church in the West. And that great fish, the church is going to be thrown overboard into the ocean. But the church is going to be swallowed up. It's going to be churned around. And it's going to be spat out again. Totally different than the way it was. And I elaborated a little bit more about how Jesus said, if the salt has lost its savor, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out. You know, how, according to Jesus' word and that, we could preach on good for nothing churches or good for nothing Christians. Yeah. Because he says, if the salt is good for nothing, it's to be thrown out. That's, wasn't, I didn't say it, Jesus said it. Salt is lost in savor. That was 2016, and I forgot all about it. But then very soon after that, really, in, in, in a number of years, seven years or so, we have this huge shaking that we're experiencing. A huge shaking. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details, but I want you to know that God is speaking. I've, the, one of the reasons why I'm saying this is not, and God knows my heart today, and I've brought this before him, is not for you to think that I'm a wonderful fellow that hears from God. You all hear from God. You all hear from God. Some of you just don't realize you hear from God. 
because you're not tuned in or you just disregard your dreams or pictures you get as, as eating too much cheese or pizza the night before or just daydreaming or it's, it's only my imagination. You need to get in line with what God's word says. He says he will communicate. Now, not to everybody the same way, but he says he will communicate to everybody some way. And I want to tell you that there is a shaking in the heavenly realm right now, I believe, like never before, at least in living memory. Is anybody with me? I have had dreams where I've seen fire coming down from the heavens, hitting the mountainsides, the meadows, and them catching fire. I have had dreams where I've seen huge tsunamis of waves, not not to be afraid of, but waves that would put the fear of God in you. You understand the difference? Where there's an awe-inspiring sense of something big is coming to engulf the earth. So whether it's fire from heaven or waves coming toward the shore or I've seen storm clouds gathering in certain parts of the world. These are all dreams now. Moving towards us at a rate that is hard to explain. Dark rain clouds. Reading scripture like Psalm 68. It describes in Psalm 68. Let me, let, let me read this to you. Um, Psalm 68 verses 1 to 3. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. And I remember meditating on that and seeing a picture of how God was arising like a storm. You know, like a sandstorm in the desert. He was starting to arise in this like tornado-like whirlwind. Starting to move. And there was lightning and there was thunder and there was fire in the midst of it. And then just like this psalm, I saw God in the spirit. I saw God put his foot down, a huge thud on the earth. And as he put his foot on the earth, his footprint on the earth, the demonic realm ran like vermin. 360 degrees at the footprint of God. The demons fled as we sang tonight. But you know it was beautiful. That storm that was God on the move. That storm that was God on the move. Then the Lord showed me that in the midst, in the eye of the storm. And you know what the eye of the storm is. The place of peace. The place of tranquility and quiet. There in the eye of the storm is the saints of God. And they were dancing. They were singing. They were, they were at peace and they were joyous being taken up with the glory of God and they were oblivious to what was going around in the storm I hope I'm bearing my heart to you tonight I've never shared this publicly with a group of people like this and I know some of you think I'm cuckoo a lot of people already think I'm cuckoo but it's alright but a lot of you think right he's really lost the plot but I'm telling you God has been showing me now for a number of years a shaking in the heavenly realm that is happening with the powers in the heavenly realm. And when you see the nations of the world being shaken, you know that the heavenly powers behind those nations are being shaken. That the principalities and powers, 
God dwells in the counsel of the righteous. Do you know there are gods with a small g? Do you know that? You need to read Psalm, is it 86? Psalm 89, God sits in the council of the Elohim, the gods. God with the big G sits in the council of the, the small G's. In other words, there are principalities and powers all around this world, and God has given them permission to be there, but God is God over them all. God is God over them all. And I believe our God, who is a consuming fire, has been shaking the earth and shaking the heavens because he's coming. He is coming. Our God, who is a consuming fire, is coming. And I'm not just talking about the second coming of Jesus. And that, of course, is implied that the Lord Jesus is coming. You do know that, don't you? He came the first time at Nativity. It was celebrated at Christmas. But he's coming again. But I'm talking about him coming in revival. And you know, revival is a form of judgment. Now what I mean by that is, when God comes in revival, he shakes things. He shakes established things in the church and in society, in institutions, renewal happens in the church, but revival happens in the whole of society, which means a revival is only a true revival when there's community transformation. That means when crime goes down. That means when racism and sectarianism and all sorts of things that are plagues on society start to disappear. That means when alcoholism isn't a problem and the Christians aren't the ones that are pushing it. That's when revival happens, when there's transformation. When there's changes of heart that affect the neighborhood around you. And I believe God's coming to Ireland like that. I believe our God is a consuming fire and he's coming. But here's the problem. The problem is the presence of God as he comes for some is like a storm. A destructive storm. Why? Because they are out of line with the presence of God. And the ways of God. And the love of God. And the holiness of God. But for those who look for his appearing, it's such a blessing. Can I read this verse just came to me when I was standing at the back? Second Thessalonians chapter one. I'm just thinking of people that aren't right with God in the meeting this evening. Second Thessalonians one and verse um, verse seven it says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. This is his second coming with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. It's not very pleasant, is it? It's talking about those whose lives are not in line with God in his creative order and who have never repented of their sins and believed in his beautiful son who loved you enough to die for you. That, that when Jesus comes, it's going to be judgment for people like that. But the verse goes on like this. Verse 10. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. And what's that saying? When Jesus returns, it's going to be judgment for those who, whose lives aren't in line with him. But for those who know and love him and are looking for his appearing and ready for his coming, it's going to be glory. It's going to be blessing. That's what revival's like. That's what revival's like. When Jesus comes in revival, it's a curse for some people. But it's a blessing for others. Or it brings conviction to some people. 
or it's what folk have been waiting for, longing for, and praying for for years. Now, I believe revival is coming, folks, and I believe God. And some of this might be judgment this far from heaven. I don't know. There's other things I could share with you. I'm not, not going to go into those details. But the big question is, however it comes, whenever it comes, how will it find you? How will it find you? Look at Psalm 110 here for a minute. Listen to this verse 3. Psalm 110 verse 3, listen to it. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power and the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you of the Jew of your youth. Now, most of the folk here, not them all, are, are young people, and it's, it's wonderful because I believe that generation, you know what generation X is? Generation X, I believe, is folk born from around about 65, 1965 to 1981 or somewhere about there. I'm one of them. And uh, then there's Generation Y, which born after that. And, and then there's Generation Z, or Z, Americanism there, um, who are the millennials. Okay? And that's many of the people. Who's a millennial here tonight, born after the year 2000? Stick your hand in the air. That's you. Well, I believe God has his eye on you for what he's going to do in revival. And I believe he's going to use X, Y, and Z. But I believe that particularly the young generation that are disillusioned with life, pop culture, all the rest, that everybody's getting a buzz out of. You realize there's more to life than this, and you're hungry for reality, and you're hungry for God. You just haven't seen the real thing yet to an extent. You're seeing more and more. But there's, you know there's more, much more than this. And what this verse, Psalm 110 verse 3 is saying, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. And I've been telling you about the great heavenly shaking that is happening right now in the powers of the heavens, in the nations of the world, not just on the earth, but in the heavenly realm. There's a shaking going on because God's coming in blessing. But will you be ready in the day of his power? Some translation says, his people shall be ready in the day of his power. Or his people shall be willing in the day of his power. Or his people shall be volunteers in the day of his power. Do you remember Isaiah chapter 6? When Isaiah's in the temple, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw to the Lord, I'm going to tell you, when Queen Elizabeth died, and I don't care if you're nationalist, Republican, Unionist, Loyalist, all that, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm just citing the fact that I believe the Lord Jesus kept Queen Elizabeth on the throne for so long because there were heavenly powers involved in that whole equation. And when she is removed, you're seeing a shaking of the monarchy. You're seeing a shaking of society. But you know what it's all about? So we stop getting our eyes on these powers and start getting our eyes on the one whom power belongs to. Power belongs unto our God. And in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw also the Lord. High and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Terry of him were crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Whole earth is full of his glory. And then what does it say? It says the temple shook. The temple shook. And what did Isaiah, the Shakespeare of the Old Testament, say? I am always me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm among people of unclean lips, but my eyes have seen the Lord. See, this is where it, this is where it gets real. 
When you get a picture of the glory of God and the power that is above every power in God and our Lord Jesus Christ, you start to see your sin and you start to be convicted of your sin and you start to deal with your sin. And that's exactly what Isaiah did. And God met him at the point of his need and cleansed his sin. He took a fiery coal from off the altar, touched his lips with it where his sin was. He was sinning with his lips. The prophet, I don't know why he's telling lies. He was letting out swear words. He was exaggerating or he was slandering other believers. I don't know what it was. But he, he got cleansed and set free from his besetting sin. And then what's the word that goes out from the Lord? Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Who's ready? Who's willing in the day of his power? Who's a volunteer in the day of his power? I believe revival is coming. I'm living for it. I'm breathing for it. And I believe God is showing the move that is happening right now, positioning things into place in the heavenly realm, not only in the earth, but in the heavenly realm, in the church, for what he's going to do. I don't know what the time scale is. I'm not claiming any of that stuff. But I believe it's coming to Ireland. I believe it. I believe it's what God wants to do. The question is, are we ready? Are your lamps trimmed and burning and are they filled with oil? Or are you going to be surprised like the foolish virgins? And you're not going to be ready. Why? Because you're too, you're too involved with uh, life. You're too involved with your career. You're too involved with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're too involved with your business. You're too involved with your studies. You're too involved with your sports. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that all those things are wrong. God gives us every good thing to enjoy. And Jesus is the one who gives life and gives it to the full. But everything needs to be in his own order. And he needs to be first. And we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything else falls into place in the right place. How can you be ready? Let me finish with this. Romans chapter 12. You know this. You, some of you might know it by heart. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good acceptable and perfect will of God. What's it saying? It's saying this. Who knows the book of Romans? The first 11 chapters is all about the mercies of God. What God has done is revealed God's righteousness from heaven in his son Jesus Christ and because of justification, sanctification, all those big words, we can be forgiven, we can be made holy through the blood of Jesus Christ. We can be adopted into his family, Romans 8, by the, the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to fear law anymore. We don't need to fear judgment anymore. And he's saving Gentiles as well as Jews, Romans 9, 10, and 11. And because of all these mercies, God says, now look, because of all my goodness, my goodness leads to repentance. The goodness and severity of God leads us to repentance. So give your body as a living sacrifice. Do you know what that means? You need to put yourself on God's altar. You need to give your life to God fully. Now verse 2 of chapter 12 talks about the mind. Some of you have got mental health problems. Some of you have got emotional problems. I'm going to say to you here tonight that if you want your mental health and emotional problems solved, you need to give him your body. 
See, anybody that gives their body to God, they've given everything to God because the body contains everything anyway. But you know when someone's wholly surrendered to God when they've given their body over, when they've given their appetites over, when they've given their human flesh over. You know they've surrendered to God. And Paul is saying because Jesus was crucified on that cross for you, you know what you have to do now? You have to climb up on that cross yourself. You have to put yourself on that cross and die. Die to yourself. And the miracle of the gospel is when you die to yourself, you'll come alive in the power of the resurrection in Jesus and you'll have the best life ever. But you have to go by the way of the cross. Are you crucified with Christ? Are you surrendered to Jesus? Huh? Have you died? See, that's what it's going to take, folks. And I'm not saying all of me is as dead as it should be. I still struggle with sin and temptation. I'm not perfect. But I know this, that I need to come to the place daily of taking up the cross and following Jesus and reckoning myself dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God and surrendering the instruments and members of my body not to unrighteousness, but to righteousness. And listen, folks, God is coming. God is coming. I believe revival is coming. And certainly Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? For the day of his power. Where's my coat? My phone's in it. Give me my phone, would you? I want to read you a letter that was written. Thank you, Rebecca. And I'm finishing. Billy Graham read this letter many years ago. And uh, it brought great conviction. And it was written by a student who had been converted to communism when he was uh, in Mexico. American student. And it could be written by Islamic fundamentalists today or some other extremist in the world. But um, the purpose of this letter was to explain, this young man was explaining to his fiancée why he must break off their engagement. Some of you may have heard this before, but listen, it's very powerful. We communists have a high casualty rate. We're the ones who get shot and hung and lynched and tarred and feathered and jailed and slandered and ridiculed and fired from our jobs and in every other way made uncomfortable as possible. A certain percentage of us get killed or imprisoned. We live in a virtual poverty. We turn back to the party every penny we make above what is absolutely necessary to keep us alive. We communists don't have the time or money for many movies or concerts or T-bone steaks or decent homes and new cars. We've been described as fanatics. We are fanatics. Our lives are dominated by one great overshadowing factor, the struggle for world communism. We communists have a philosophy of life which no amount of money could buy. We have a, a cause to fight for, a definite purpose in life. We subordinate our petty personal selves into a great movement of humanity. And if our personal lives seem hard or our egos appear to suffer through subordination to the party, then we are adequately compensated by the thought that each of us in his small way is contributing to something new and true and better for mankind. There is one thing in which I am dead earnest, and that is the communist cause. It is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife and mistress, my bread and meat. I work at it in the daytime and dream of it at night. It holds 
It, it, it holds me, it grows on me, not lessens as time goes by. Therefore, I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair, or even a conversation without relating it to this force which both drives and guides my life. I evaluate people, books, ideas, actions according to how they affect the communist cause and by their attitude toward it. I've already been in jail because of my ideas and if necessary, I'm ready to go before a firing squad. For communism. Communism is largely a dead philosophy. But that boy was surrendered to. It's been a failed experiment, communism. But Christianity is the truth of the ages. And I want to ask you tonight, there's a shaking on the earth, there's a shaking in the heavenly realm. Our God is a consuming fire and our God is coming. He is coming. Are you ready in the day of his power? Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you? Or are you lost? Are you a backslidden, cold, worldly Christian? Up to your neck in sin? Are you in bondage to the devil with some demonization that you need set free from? Do you need set free in your mind? Do you need set free in your heart? Do you need the healing of mind and heart? Do you need a touch on your body tonight to set you free? What is it that you, you find hard to surrender? Is Jesus first Foremost, pride, prize place in your life. See, your one and only is your first love. Is he your darling? Is he your beloved? We can talk all we like about revival, and we can sing all we like about revival, and we can pray all we like about revival. But revival is falling in love with Jesus all over again. Like Florrie Evans said in Wales, when the revival fire started, she stood up in that young people's meeting and she says, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. That's bow our heads and pray. We're going to sing in a minute, but let's just keep, keep the silence right now. Is there anybody here tonight and you're a backslidden Christian and you realize you have to come home, confess your sins to Jesus, he's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and you need to come afresh to the cross and be cleansed. Is there anybody here tonight and you want to repent and come back to Jesus this evening? Would you raise your hand just where you're seated? You, nobody else is looking, it's just me and God. Please, let's keep our eyes closed. God bless you. Is there anybody else? You can put your hand down, won't you? God bless you. Anybody else? Backslidden Christian, yes, God bless you. Anybody else? Backslidden Christian, you're not going to be ready. There's going to be a lot of catching up to do. There's no guarantee that you'll feel the way you feel tonight on that day when God comes. You might be one of those Christians that say, that's all fanaticism, that's all ridiculous nonsense, that's hype, that's emotionalism. They always said that in revivals. Make sure it's not you. Get right with God now. Be ready before the day of his power. Is there anybody else, any other Christian, you're backslidden and you need to repent, you need to get right with God, where are you? Anybody else? Come on now. Judgment must begin at the house of God. God bless you. Judgment must begin at the house of God. 
Anybody else? God is love and God is good and God will run to embrace you like a prodigal. But you've got to meet him at truth. You've got to meet him where you're at. Anybody else? God bless you. Now come on, Christians. And I'm not just looking for decisions. I'm going to tell you, you see, if you don't back this up, the the Holy Spirit will help you. But you've got to be serious about this tonight. We're not playing around here. Our God is real. We've got to get serious about our Christianity again. We've got to see the fear of God in our lives again. Not being afraid of Him. He's a good daddy in heaven. But realizing He's the God of heaven. He's the creator of everything. Anybody else now? Backslidden Christian. You know where you're at. You know the things that bind you. And you need set free tonight. Will you put your hand up? Just as an acknowledgement of your need. Anybody else? God bless you. Come on, anybody else? Yes, come on. Anyone else? Yes, yes. Any more Christians now? Yes. Christians. By name, are you a Christian by nature? You're serious about this thing. Jesus was serious to bleed and die for you on the cross, naked. Are you serious for him? He says, whoever confesses me before man, I'll confess before my Father in heaven. Whoever doesn't denies me, I'll deny him. He said it. Are you denying him? And you're saying you're a Christian on Sunday or to your family, but you're denying him Monday to Friday or whenever. Are you going to repent of that tonight? Put your hand up. Be a man. God bless you. Be honest now. Yes. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God's going to meet you. I want you to pray this prayer. And anybody who didn't acknowledge their need tonight, you can do this right now. Christians now, I'm talking to the Christians. You just say, Lord, I repent of my sin. I repent of my backsliding. I repent of my lukewarmness. What is your particular sin? You repent of it tonight. You might need deliverance from a power of the enemy. And you get that tonight, get prayer. But where you're at right now, you repent of it. Do your part. Confess and repent. And say, Lord Jesus, I come to your cross again. Would you cleanse me? Would you wash me clean? Would you wash me clean? And you come in by your Holy Spirit. And would you possess me? Would you take over so that I might live a life that is pleasing to you? I thank you that you love me. And he does. He loves you with all your sin and with all your backsliding. He loves you so much. I don't want you to, to think he's stern tonight. He's not. He's gracious and loving and forgiving and compassionate. He loves you unconditionally. But he's not going to force you to follow him. <laughs> that's, that's how much he loves you. Will you come as a Christian now tonight? professing Christian and ask him for forgiveness. Now, if you're not a Christian here tonight and you're not saved and if God was to come or Jesus was to return, you wouldn't be ready, but you want to be ready tonight, would you fire your arm in the air just now and we'll pray for you and we'll lead you in prayer. Anybody that's never been saved, born again, never took Jesus as your saviour and you've been sitting on the fence for years, maybe you've grown up in a Christian home, maybe that's been you already, you put your hand up, but just where you are, is there anyone you want to get right with God tonight? Put your hand up, just where you are. Anybody else? 
you're not a Christian, you want to take that step of faith to Jesus Christ tonight. God bless you. God bless you. You take that step tonight now. Anyone else to join this individual? Anyone else? Maybe that was you earlier, I don't know. But just where you're at, come on now. Take the step to Jesus tonight. It's your opportunity while the Spirit of God is here. Is there anyone else? Just pray with me. You can pray this prayer and just say, Oh God, I come to you in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I confess I'm a sinner. Just say it in your heart after the my words. I confess I'm a sinner and I repent of my sin and I thank you that the Lord Jesus died for me and I ask you, Father, that he be my saviour now and, and my Lord. I renounce Satan and all his works and I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might live a life that is pleasing to you. And Christian, if you need help tonight, deliverance, you need healing, you need mental, emotional healing or freedom. You have the opportunity tonight. There'll probably be a prayer team here. Some folk will be standing up here. But listen, God's moving. God is shaking. I'm telling you, God is shaking. In Acts chapter 4, there might be persecution coming. I don't know. It's going to get tighter for Christians. But I'll tell you, in the early days of the church, listen, when, when the Christians blazed a trail for Jesus Christ and the enemies of the cross said they're turning the world upside down, they were being persecuted. They'd been crucified upside down. They were being fed the lands. But there were multitudes getting saved. And they had a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 4. And they said, Lord, behold their threats. And reach out your hand to save. That by signs and wonders you might glorify your holy servant, Jesus. And it said that the place in which they prayed, the house in which they prayed, shook. Once more, the Lord says, I will shake the heavens and the earth. May he shake this place tonight. May he shake you up tonight and me like never before. God bless you.